Hello and welcome to Get Your Play On, the industry podcast for playwrights and theatre makers. I'm Sam Brady. And I'm Ginny Manning. So our guest for this episode is the amazing playwright and theatre maker April DeAngelis. April most recently has had work on the National Theatre, but she has a really great, illustrious career and has a lot of really amazing things to say. She does, she does. Um, It's also worth saying that this interview was recorded on the 8th of January 2020, and um, it was so it was before the coronavirus outbreak, which is why we were well. Hey, that's why we sat in a very small room with April, and um, B, it's why we never mentioned the coronavirus once during the conversation. But I don't think anything that we said in the conversation isn't relevant now. I still think, yeah, that it's it's all relevant, and we were we had a great time with April. So we did, yeah, we did, time. and we were also both full of a cold. Yeah, we were. On that day, so I hope I hope uh, April didn't get it from us. I feel terrible if she does. In the light of coronavirus, it kind of seems a bit responsible, but you know that was the world before. So I know. Well, we we yeah, we want to say thank you to April because it was it was a really good experience. It was. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. So yeah, here's me and Ginny talking to April DeAngelis. <laughs> Well, I was at university, and um, I went to Sussex University, and there was a drama society which I joined, obviously because I wanted to be an actor and all that stuff. And someone had written, was writing a play, and they just said, they gave an invitation, which I think is really important, the invitation, like, we want people to write plays, you know, and then we can put them on. And, and that was the first I'd ever really thought about it. And um, and. I'd seen some this particular guy put on a play. He'd taken an Ian McEwan short story about um, a man who falls in love with a mannequin. And the whole play is this guy sort of talking about himself and his obsessions and everything. But for one minute in the play, the mannequin comes to life and speaks. And um, I was like, I got to the end of it. So I'm, I'm 20 years old or something. I was like, so angry. I was like, so she gets to speak for a minute. Yeah, for and that was minute. what I, that's the second thing that sort of prompted me. That okay, there was this Im- invitation to write a play, and I wanted someone, to, a woman, to speak for longer than a minute, yeah. and not be a man. Yes, please. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So it's really interesting. So, um, <laughs> and and I've heard since playwrights say it's really interesting to know what you're writing against, because mm. that starts helping you formulate what you want to write. Because otherwise, it's just a huge open space. So if something's provoked you, and you can articulate why and how you do it differently, and you've almost got yourself a, like a manifesto for what you want to write. So. That was a really, that was it. So that both those things happened. And I wrote a play uh, and I put it on at university. And I mean, we took it to Edinburgh Festival and then I just sort of, and it was always in my head that I could do it. You know, I think that's quite good. Just get your first play, write something, even if it's 10 minutes or it's a scratch night or because then you know you can. And then there's no reason on earth that you won't be able to do another one. It's still that moment when the audience all comes in and you just go, my God, this is actually, there's an actual audience here watching this. It's like come out of that, my head and then we've worked on it together and there it is. It's a real thing that's going to affect people and it's so powerful. Uh, I mean, the best, I mean, somebody told me when I was starting out, you know, you, if you want to know how your, what your plays, what bits work and what bits don't work, then just watch the audience. Because when they start coughing and shuffling around, then you know that they're bored or they're disengaged. And your job as a writer is to keep people engaged. And um, so just think about why that's why it's not happening. Or 
And of course, just the more you do, the more you 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 kind of build up your instincts for what's going to work, and and the more you hear, and also you find out what your voice is and what your strengths are. And so when you um, when you left university, yeah. So then you, what do you do? Then you start as a you still want to be an actor? Yeah, I did, I did, and I did a year at East Fifteen, and um, but I wasn't really an actor. I didn't really know that, and uh, it's quite interesting, isn't it? I think lots of people get involved. That's that your first entry into theatre, even though I'd written a play, I still wouldn't sort of admit to myself that I was a writer. And it was like really straight. I mean, I used to kind of read a lot about writers. And I'd sort of say to myself, why am I reading about writing all the time? Reading about writers, it's really weird. Like, why am I interested? And then um, and then just one day, literally, I like a voice in my head said, you're not going to be happy unless you write plays sort of thing. And it was really sort of quite sort of shocking because... Uh, I thought that was quite um, a presumptuous, I mean, I always thought it was very presumptuous to want to be a writer because I presumed everybody wanted to be one. So why would I be one, you know? But I think you've got to be quite presumptuous. You've got to have a little bit of, uh, you know, um, arrogance in a way, a good kind of arrogance and sort of just like say, well, why, why not me? And if I want, and wanting to is enough to, should be enough to make you do it. But I don't know what, I mean, so anyway, I then... This thing about an invitation, there was a competition that um, the Albany Empire did for young, for young women. It was a just, and that was again a different kind of invitation. They were looking for young women, and I was like, well, okay, that's like 50, 50 you know, percent more likelihood I'll get my play on, sort of thing. And I wrote a play, and I just remember in those days, like I wrote it on a typewriter because before, I mean, can you imagine how long ago that is? <laughs> I had four computers or anything. I wrote this play, and um, it had so much tipex on it. It was like it weighed their time because <laughs> yeah. it was like I mean it was only it was literally only about like I don't know fifteen pages or twenty pages, but it was like thick with tipex. So it was like massive. And I like, <laughs> emailed this brick, and then just one day I just got a phone call just saying, "Oh hi, you're one of the winners of this thing." And I was oh, like, great. "Oh my god!" I was really I really was shocked because as I sent it off, I thought no one is going to understand this. A, it's full of tipex, and B, it's like <laughs> mad, you know, and. um and the result of that was like a production at the Albany Empire for three nights and £400. So like from, I mean, I was like, you know, just li- you know, living in a big house when you could with paying rent and trying to make ends meet. And then suddenly to get money for writing seemed brilliant. Yeah. It was ma- that was really magical. And I remember like watching the first night and sort of going, <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> I was so happy. My mom's on stage. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it must have been really yeah. validating to visit with the yeah. money for writing. Yeah, and also just to win, I mean, like to have the play on, you know, and, and, and it's professional professional production. I met the director and the, the designer. And I, I mean, it did feel like absolutely, I was 26. I was like, absolutely like whoa brilliant these things can happen who knew because I didn't know anyone in the theatre really uh, you know I definitely didn't know any writers so I didn't really know how it worked and I suppose that's the point of your podcast isn't it well how this thing how do you actually get there yeah yeah by lots of different ways one of the things that we uh, that we're finding is that a lot of a lot of stories where it seems to be oh it was just by chance yeah and then but when you explore it with people no, actually, you did this, this, and this. Yes. Did I? You yeah. Know, it's just like the fact that at yeah. that moment when you were going to send that thing off, mm. you thought, this is nonsense, what the hell am I doing? But you still sent it. Yeah. And I think it most of us in that craft. situation, we all think that yeah. we don't send it, we don't hit them. Now all you've got to do is send an email, but people still hesitate. Yes. Well, so that's, that's yeah. good then. Don't he- Why hesitate? Yeah. You know? yeah, absolutely. So that was your first success. So yeah. what about... Um, 
Because you were involved in um, theatre companies as an actor. Mm, and that, yeah. That, was this before that or after that? That was kind of after... Um, I'm just trying to think of the timeline. I think that was... I had been... I'd done one thing before that as an actor. I'd, I'd worked with a... Um, a women's theatre company called Resistors. So when I left drama school, so I left drama school uh, when I was 24, uh, after one, one year, doing it that for one year. And then I got this job. I wrote this really impassioned letter to a women's theatre company, just poured, poured it all out. And just and they then saw me and then gave me a job. And then I was working for six months. So that was like another oh, bit great. of writing that like got me somewhere. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And um, we did, so we were working... Um, we went into women's refuges and we just kind of half verbatim, half kind of fictionalized play about um, women's refuges. And we just toured it. In those days, we were GLC funded and we toured it around, you know, various community venues. And we were at the Oval House. And and then I wrote this play that I just talked about. And then um, the theatre company had got back to when I'd written a play. They said, oh, you can, you can write plays. Why don't you write us a play? So I was like, whoa, that's wow. really brilliant. I know. And I said, okay, brilliant. They said, and they said, for, for two actors. But that's okay, great, you know. And um, so I then wrote a play. They wanted, and they gave me a subject, women. I know, is that, I'm getting a bit confused. They gave, me a, they gave me a women in the law. So it was for three actors. So I wrote this play, it went on, it went well. Then they gave me another commission, which was for two actors, which also. And from that play, which was called Iron Mistress, which got published, I uh, you know, it that is in there, book, is it? Then, yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't really know what I was doing, you know, in a way. Uh, I mean, that's the other thing. You don't really have to know. Just being a starting out, I mean, how, how do you know? You're just taking a punt on things. And as long as you know that people are in conflict, I think that's the only, <laughs> that's the big thing. They're not just talking stuff. They're in a dynamic and they're in conflict with each other. And conflict's very complicated, isn't it? Yeah. You can love someone you're in conflict with and all those kind of things. It's not just shouting at each other sort of thing, although that can happen. Obviously, it's quite fun when that happens sometimes. But, um, yeah, and then art from that, from Iron Mistress, that had some good reviews, then I got kind of, I got commissions from other, started to come in. I got commission from a company called Redshift, and I also got um, invited to the Royal Court to talk to the, to talk to them there. And, um so just, pe- mm. sorry, people were approaching you. Yeah, after that, yeah. And, okay. and then it sort of just opened out a bit. And then, I mean, it is the case, of course, that the more work you do that, you know, people like or enjoy and um, that, that that kind of creates more work for you. That's how work kind of happens, do you know what so, I mean? Yeah, so doing the work and getting it out yeah, there, really. Totally, yeah, totally, utterly do it and get it out there because, um, you know, there's... And I and I and I think as well that there's a real you know there's a real hunger for new writing, isn't there, in the theatre? There's a lot of new writing companies that are looking for people. Yeah. And then of course you know if you want to go, I don't know if you want to go into telly or what. I mean, there's a lot of appetite for, or, ra- or radio is a really, another another brilliant place to get work from if you go that way inclined. So but yeah, but getting something on is like you just got to write something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then you learn. Any any feedback you get or play readings, anything, it's just like you, you've got to just keep keep going. Mm. Tenacity, more. I mean, I think I'm quite tenacious. Yeah, mm. it's probably people much better than me that fell by the wayside <laughs> and weren't as like bull headed. Do you know what I mean? Mm, tenacity, definitely. Yeah, and also, I mean, likability comes into to it a lot mm. and, and trustworthiness. So, like, what strikes me about that is like, so you got your first commission came from that theatre company, mm. but they already knew you. 
didn't yes, they? Yes, they did. So it's yeah. not like they were investing in someone who they didn't know. So, yeah, you know, that's right. those relationships that, that you had with those people. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I mean, but in, I mean, in another, I mean, I think kind of as a woman, like historically as well, you know, if you look at the kind of, you know, that women haven't had as many advocates for their work. I mean, I think it's really changed massively. I mean, I think, but I mean, look, when I started out, you know, there weren't that many women playwrights in a way. And, um, you know, there was Carol Churchill and then Sarah Daniels. There's Pam Gems, you know, and then, and that was kind of it, you know. So it just seems like weird now when you look back that, so then there was obviously, you know, so in a sense, that's why, you know, I needed an advocate, you know, yeah. somebody sort of thing. And I think now there's, and if, you know, if I was a, a writer starting out, I'd really look at the, you know, a lot of theatres, new writing theatres have write groups for writer, young writers or new, new writers. Yeah. And it's so good. I mean, then you'll get like Simon Stevens, I know, used to teach at the Royal Court. So he took, he would take you through a term, you know, and then, and they would be, you know, looking at your work. And a lot of those writers, like Nick Payne, Neely Crow, and Penny Skinner, they came through those groups, you know. Yeah. And, but you kind of had to have written something to get on the group in the first place. So that's another reason. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it could yeah. be your passport into, I know Soho Theatre has a really good group. I know maybe Payne's Plough does. I mean, there's, I think Yalmida might even have a young writer. I mean, mm. it's just the bush. I mean, just finding, um, I know 503 has a fantastic writers group. Like, yeah. like Beth Steele came out of that group. Um, you know, so you can, if you look at writers' generation that are around now, I mean, a lot of them, I think Laura Wade came out of the Royal Court Writers Group, you know, Chloe Mostert, I mean. Yeah, the, yeah. I think the other thing about being a member of a writers' group is is mutual support, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah I mean, I also, after the, the, at the Albany Empire, what happened, there was a small group of women, we got together and we'd meet regularly and we'd share work. And that was so important because... Um, it was just, it made you feel like you were really were part of something. Because you can, that, the other thing about playwriting is it can be quite, ice, I mean, you are on your own. Yeah. I mean, even when you, like me, and people give you a commission, they go, okay, come back in six months with your thing. And it's like, bye. Do you know what I mean? And that's it. And then you go back and you spend about a month not doing anything. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you have to celebrate it. getting the job for a while. Like, oh, right. And then there's what you have to go, oh, I've got to do it now. Sort of and then, you know, it's that there's always, always like, uncertainty they probably oh well I think there is what 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 is this going to be what and all those kind of questions before you can get on with it but yeah you're right it was uh and I remember, I remember in this writer's group because I'd written my play that had gone on and I just couldn't write another one and I remember like really like crying in the group like oh I'm, you know showing something of being that I really tried to rewrite the same two pages so much it was <laughs> yeah. like almost like perfect but it it wasn't really gay. I didn't know what it was about or what the story was or anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I remember being really like heartbroken about it. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, it's fine. You'll think about the story. Come, you'll do something else. You know, and like, let's go to the pub. And then we'd all go to the pub. We'd talk. And it was really, it was just cam camaraderie is, is really important. And sort of, and also some, I was talking to a friend of mine actually who is a writer. And he, he was saying to me, you know, my son, I had a bit of a bad time. And then I thought, well, actually, everything's, anything's possible. Mm. Everything's possible. And it is, of course, if you yeah. keep going. Yeah. So it seems that um, there's been various opportunities that presented to you and also that you have sought out. Yeah. Um, one of the things we've been discussing is when do you stop saying yes to everything mm. and, <laughs> and think, yeah. right, this is what's going to be good 
for me yeah. to do to be the writer that I want to be and produce the work that I want to be. Yeah. Do you do you still try and do as much as you can or I mean it's never I think the thing is it's so like it's really hard because it's how you earn your living sort of thing. Yeah. And so if somebody I mean, I said I do say no sometimes to things because I actually can't stomach the idea of doing it, and I think that's quite good. I was like, I actually feel sick if I. <laughs> so I know you shouldn't say this, but someone asked me to do an episode of Doctors once. <laughs> we I just, tried for we ages. We had this conversation watch, this morning. I mean, you know, peace for people who can do it, and it's yeah, I'm not it's a real to skill. It. it is a real it, skill. I mean, God, it's brilliant. I mean, maybe I couldn't do it because I knew I couldn't do it, but I also couldn't stomach it it's really odd it's like your actual gut it's not just cerebral in a way it's like if it's emotional it's got to be physical hasn't it do you know what I mean mm. and it's it's got to be about memory and you know where the mind and the body kind of you know anger you know you feel anger don't you or you feel these things so you can't be disconnected so yes. actually when you have a gut feeling about something you know well that's probably you know but I do take I mean I do like the moment have like I've just finished some things and I know that I've got to start new things, but I'm so sluggish at the moment. Like I went to the library and I spent ages like just, I don't know what I was doing. I was like staring at someone. <laughs> like, but you're supposed to be doing your piece of work. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I think it's like getting, you have to get yourself into, just keep that thing about, I don't know, maybe you have to be reflective. Maybe you have to stare at people and things and unnerve yeah. them and all the rest of it. <laughs> just, uh, so tell us a bit more about that process of mm, getting commissioned because a lot yeah. of them are. Listeners haven't been commissioned mm. yet. Because um, it sounds in a way like the Holy Grail, but yes. it also sounds quite terrifying. Yes. Well, I uh, I mean, what's really good about a commission is, it's that thing about invitation, which I think somehow, somehow is really important because the theatre's coming to you and going, look, we, we really like your work. You know, we really think you've got any, a voice that we, you know, we'd love to work with you, you know. And then, uh, so here's some money. And then... You'll get given an you, you know you'll get your contract you'll sign your contract you'll get an initial not very much I suppose I think it's a couple of grand or something and then at each stage so you, then you write a first draft and then you send it to them and they'll read that and then if they accept if they want to go on then they'll pay you the first draft and I think when they've done that when they've accepted a first draft and then there's a thing where you do a second draft to get another payment and then there's the first day of rehearse but it's on this kind of conveyor belt that leads to a production sort of thing. And I mean, and also, you know, theater, I mean, I sat, I used to be on the grid at the Royal Court where um, people, we read plays that had been submitted that the theatre was interested in. And we discussed them as a group and thought about what, you know, should there be a workshop? Would you want to see this as a production or not? It was very, I was on there for a couple of years. And it was, what was amazing was when the first drafts arrived, sometimes they'd be so sort of almost like, you couldn't quite see that it was a play. It was like, was this going to... But there was something... There would just be something in it, you know. It doesn't have to be perfect. But I've seen a lot of plays that you read at that stage that you thought, well, I'm not sure about this, but there's just... What's, but it's got this about it. You know, it's a good... It's a strong idea. It's got strong character or some of the right... And then those plays would just blossom. I mean, it's... But I, I really learned a lot from seeing that, just thinking it doesn't have to be this perfect thing. Although you have responsibility to get it to the best state you can before you can give it in, you know, there's there's this whole process of drafting and the theatre will then work with you and give you notes and feedback. And so, um, I mean, I just found that quite heartening, you know, mm. that and I've certainly just been through a process like that where 
I gave a play in and like, I was really surprised that they went, oh no, this has got something in it. And I was like, oh, thank God. You know? <laughs> I mean, I still feel like, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, even if you, even if you like something that you've written. Yeah. Also, or was it like, a, I just had this where I've just written this thing and it's the first thing for probably two years that I've written and I love it and I, I love this. But now it's occurring to me, it might be shit. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't. Uh, yeah, no. Nobody's right yet. You don't know. You say that now. But when, when I say, I'll know from your face. You? But it, so, you I know, think it's, it's a good sign if you like. I mean, I think it's good. It's like if you can read it through yourself. Because sometimes I've written things, I've tried to read them and I haven't been able to read them because <laughs> so, it's so bad. Yeah. Who, who do you ask to read? Who do you trust? Well, I do get my... I get my other half to read it because he's around and he's like, he's read a lot of stuff. And I was like, what do you think? But I don't always, I mean, but he's always right. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I sort of, um, is he, uh, um, has he, he got has, any writing or not knowledge of writing? Or yeah. Theater? I mean, he used to run a theater and okay. so he's a theater sort of person. He's done a bit of telly. So he sort of knows and he's sort of, you know, he works with writers. He's working with some writers at the moment. So I sort of, yeah, that's really useful. But, um, I think ultimately it's the, you know, I don't know, you you have to pick pick who you trust, you know. I mean, I always, it's ultimately, it's the theatre that, if they if they see, I mean, they see something in it. But I have given stuff to my other half and he's gone, no. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, you're really right. You sort of, I mean, it's hard, I mean, that's the thing, it's really hard to know, isn't it, if something's good or not. But I think I know when something's bad. I just yeah. don't know whether it's good. <laughs> It's that, and then yeah. it's that weird halfway house where you think, is this good or not? You know, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I wonder if there are any playwrights out there who aren't really like self deprecating. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> everybody yeah. seems to be I like. It's a bit like um, we were talking to Sam Vinicum and um, yeah. just chatting before the interview, and he was saying about, we were talking about politics and things. and um, people who are very certain, they've got great mm. certainty. Mm. And he was saying, like, I'm just not certain enough about anything to have, so, you know, because wherever yeah. I think, I was thinking, oh, well, on the other hand. And I think, well, yes. you know, that isn't that, like, really important. No, you I know, think that's what it makes is. you a writer. That, that mm. You're always asking yeah. the question, am I, am I wrong about this? Yeah. You see, I think I'm quite, I think that's one of my failings. I, I, I do feel like I know what I think sometimes too, too much. And um, I think I was just thinking it's so odd. I was thinking about that coming here, actually. But it is obviously like not, you know, being able to, you know, really unpack an argument or a situation in which you can see the real, you know, that you're not just arguing for one side, that mm. there's a genuine conflict debate, you know, question that is doesn't have an easy answer. I mean, that's what you want in a play, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's you know, something in, in your plays in particular yeah. that I think really stands out is the fact that everything is... A, it's a little bit complicated. There's nothing. Well, I'm glad it. you said that because I was so, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe so not. you're finding a way to, yes. to challenge yeah. yourself. With that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got to sort of, you've got to, you know, you've got to try and that thing inhabit your character or your perspective anyway from, of, the, of the person you're writing about. Mm. I read um, recently somebody was saying that because of the communities that we are, we are in and the people who are amongst us who share our views it's so important to be aware of other people's views and really interrogate them isn't it yeah um, I find that quite challenging I yeah quite challenging to follow people on Twitter who I disagree with yeah yes I mean it's interesting because I come I think this moment that we've been through that has been really divisive 
like it, and, and and so on face so i i do twitter and i do facebook but on facebook you know people i followed for years and then they'll say because this time seems so fractious and fra- fractured it's so hard when it's someone you mostly agree with that suddenly says something that infuriates you and i bet it's almost more infuriating isn't it and then you've got to say well why am i you know and then i feel like i i, I write something at at rate, you know, on, on Twitter, and I think, God, I'm a right bully. Do you know what I mean? Because I've said, you know, but it's so, simply so because you've, interesting. you've stated your case. Well, maybe, but you know, it's like, yeah, I, I, I mean, that's that's possibly true. But I mean, so that thing about, you know, people that are kind of like you but still don't quite agree with you—that's quite interesting, sort of territory. I mean, I do follow some people that are like I often read the Daily Mail online. I've started to read it, and I absolutely find it like unbelievable actually do you know what I mean yeah like I you know say climate over Australia the climate deniers on you know this is it's all arsonists and stop so anyone who posted on the Daily Mail saying you know we have to do something about climate change stop with the doom and the gloom you know stop being so gloomy it's fine everything's (sighs) the best and all you know it's all going to work out fine it's common sense and and it's like God, that's like it's not. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I posted someone, and someone went, "Shut your hole." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my God, how rude! How rude! Shut your hole!" <laughs> Australia. I don't know. It was like so, but I mean, that's so you get that. There's that sort of really disagreeing when it seems. But it's. I suppose. But I think it's a good instinct. I still think it's a good instinct to follow. I think you're right. You know, you're just like quite. You're not. It's not. Why would people? I mean, for me think so extremely against reason yeah but then of course you know that's the thing about everything isn't it? it's like well it's really hard to get to the truth of something it isn't is it? and it's about accepting yeah so that somebody's personal history is um experiences led them to that belief yeah sorry yeah. i've gone off topic no no i, I love that it's really interesting this out it sounds because i think it might be self-indulgent <laughs> but i'm going to say it anyway just because yeah, I think it's interesting. So I, I was working on, a, I started writing a play set in Munich in 1933. It's like just not what I write yeah. about. But because of everything that was going on, I just felt compelled. I came across this particular true story and I started writing about it. Um, <clears throat> and one of the things that happened was that one of the antagonists sort of took over as a protagonist, just the, the interesting person. And what was interesting about this person was that, you know, he's known in history as being um, a genocidal maniac. But actually, when you look at it, it becomes that. He's not that at the start. He's just this politician. And just like a lot of our people now are just this politician, Mm. you wouldn't compare them with these monsters, you know. Uh, And and I thought, well, this is interesting about how this person became this monster. But one of the things that I found blocking me was the worry about upsetting people and the reaction if I portrayed this person sympathetically. Mm. You know, because... Now people get, it's very difficult, isn't it, to sort mm. of have that sort of nuance. But I'm mean, on the other hand, I mean, that might be something that, you know, that, you know, don't censor. You've got to be careful about the censor. Mm. I can remember talking with a writer once I was working with and they'd written this really great sort of, it was in a writing course, an Arvon course, which I was actually teaching Simon Stevens, weirdly. And this guy had written this fantastic kind of couple of scenes. And then he said, um, I met him afterwards so, on a social thing. I said, how's your play? He said, oh, no, I'm not writing that because someone told me that um, it was too like the people I knew. Oh. And I was like, I, I was absolutely like, 
no, 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 no. That's uh, nobody will even. I've written plays about my mother, and she's come and said that was lovely, darling. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. I mean, she she she'll never show listen to this. But I mean, she doesn't reckon. Nobody recognises themselves no. anyway. And B actually, well, aren't you supposed to be provoking? Yeah. I mean, in a way, saying people aren't born monsters, but they become it through a series of choices and through you know context is actually very very powerful because mm. we're always trying to monster people so that we. We avoid the fact that that process could be happening now. So it seems to me like the most, but it's, it, it is a dangerous thing. But I would, if I was you, I'd just go for it. You can always look, read back and go, okay, I'm going to sort of think about that. Think about, you know, how much it's provoking and how much is offensive and how much I want to be offensive and how much. It's all in your control. Yeah. It sounds to me like a really good... I mean, I'd love to see a play like that. Yeah, well, good. That's one ticket. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so do you think... I mean, do you think that's something that has always been the case, that situation? Or do you think it's something that's got worse, that people are less tolerant of... You know, more easily offended? And I don't know. Go yes. Right, but do yeah, you know what I mean? No. In terms of yeah. more sensitive to things that they think, oh, you can't, you can't go there or you... But in a way, I mean, we had theatre censorship up to 1968. Mm. You couldn't sort of, couldn't say the word penis on a stage or vagina or whatever. You can't, you know what I mean? It's like, because people are too offended. So in a way, maybe it's like there's always going to be areas that people are kind of taboo areas in a way, or society's always going to, and maybe theatre's job is always to like push back at it sort Mm. of thing and to be provoking and to be, you know, and, and ask questions about what that, you know, what should we really be offended about, you know? Yeah. It's like a lot to be really offended about, like the end of the planet or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really interesting point that about censorship because we do yeah. hear that narrative all the time, don't we? Like, yeah. People are so easily offended these yeah. days. But yeah, people have got quite short Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, it was ni- 1737. I mean, it came in because, you know, because polite society you couldn't she stooped to conquer as a radical play because the woman bent over to pick you know the idea of bending or coming up being having being muddy was just was offensive. Because women were always supposed to be polite and, and you know, sense society was, wasn't supposed to be crude. And they're trying to kind of create a, a new sensitivity. Yeah. So anything that went against that, which was comedy, they tried to ban comedy, really. And um, they, they made this thing called sentimental comedy, which is supposed to cry at things gently. That was a whole, that went on for about a hundred years. I tried really? to find, so yeah. That was my era. That was more fun. <laughs> so I, I can write that story. Uh, uh, people gently weep. <laughs> Listen, it sounds good to me. No, but you, I'm sure, I mean, the, yeah. So it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. What? Do, do you think that, um, na- uh, say, if you're commissioned or, or you're doing adaptation, mm. um, I saw Reasons to Stay Alive recently, that was mm. great, um, of, of a text. Do people expect you to to tease out the, the modern relevance? Does that guide you when you're doing your, um, either writing your own stuff or? Yeah, I mean, I think the question about that's you know why are you writing this now has got to be that's a question that a theatre would ask you, or you you should kind of well, you don't have to ask yourself at first. I mean, like the thing is, someone said, didn't you? Nobody can avoid being contemporary, so in a way, you're. <laughs> but I mean, I think adaptations, you know, they're. I, you, you can't just do adaptations because it'll just destroy you because you'll lose your confidence in making your own stories. I mean, making a story is a really thing, isn't it? That's mm. the real work of a writer, you know. So when you're adapting something, like it's a kind of, it's a pleasure, but it's all, but it's not, you're adapting someone else's brilliance, you know, idea. Mm. <laughs> you're not, it's not yours and you've got to keep, 
kind of chipping away at that sort of face, rock face sort of thing. So, so if you're up, up and coming, it's bad as it in terms of developing your own imaginative creative process it's it's better to stick with writing your own well your I own think material. so I mean it's like yeah I mean obviously if someone offers you a job and it's work I mean you're going to take it because it's all work isn't it so I'm not against doing it but I'm just sort of just kind of flagging up how brilliant it is to be able to make a story up and put it on a stage yeah. I mean it's amazing and uh you know people I mean I read Couple, about a year ago, Tennessee Williams um, diaries, and like what was brilliant about them was like every day he'd come up and he'd go, "Oh my god, I've got this amazing idea for play," and he would like describe this scenario, and then he, he spent like two days writing it, and on the third day get up and he'd throw it away. Uh, and he'd have another idea, and, I was like, <laughs> I was like, and it was like that is the diaries, so like hundreds of pages, all these ideas. <laughs> and no, I'm thinking oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, that is, is sort of a little bit what it's like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you think you've got a brilliant idea and then you wake up the next morning and go, nah. <laughs> and I don't know what that's about except yeah. living with something. or Yeah, and then somebody else does it and you're like, oh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I think what you were saying, Sam, about like you, you're, you're and it's your antagonist that suddenly comes through your writing and you think, and that's the thing about writing, you think you're writing about this person but they're not as interesting as the person on their left or something and that suddenly starts to grow and I think being able to listen to your own work and think, Oh, that's interesting. Maybe, um, you know, that's that's really where the, the centre of the play can shift. So you're not too sort of rigid with it, sort of. Because I think some, there's something about, you can have an idea, but sometimes you, you've got a great idea, but you can't write it. Mm. And that's really odd, isn't it? Yeah. But then but you can sort of, but then sometimes you'll just start writing something and something will happen. And, um, or you think you're going to be writing about this and then, when you actually come to do it, you get another idea. And that's because that's usually better. I think being able to kind of like not be too, well, I've got to write this idea, but if a better one comes along in the, I mean, I sort of just did that today. It was like, I was supposed to do something. And I was like, oh, mate. And then these other two characters came on. Like, I was like, that's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, actually, they're a bit, but that's, that made, suddenly made sense of things as well. Oh, yeah. That's great yeah. when characters just oh my God. Is this? I know. Well, isn't it amazing? <laughs> it's, it's not to me that often, but it's a great Yeah, thing. it is. It sounds like you're not the kind of person who like starts out with some big plan of um, every scene and how it's going to mm. work. Like you start mm. writing some dialogue and mm. somehow this thing grows out. From mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wish I was that other sort of person, but I'm really not. And I've really sort of tried to imagine as the other sort of person. It doesn't work. But I, I sometimes, it's not just that it's just dialogue. Sometimes I have a kind of an idea of what the kind of the, the subject is or like what's kind of making me, you know, engaging me or making me a bit angry or a bit kind of, you know, what I want to think through. And then and then that that sort of sits there and then I sort of know that whatever I'm writing, sort of what characters or a scenario, situation, is kind of connected to that. So that's really helpful, I think. That um, I mean, you can always change your mind and say, "Well, actually, it's not about that; it's about something else." But I think that it's often that you'll know that you're something's preoccupying you, you know, something about the world, or you know, or a situation you've been in, or something you're feeling or thinking at the moment, or reading or something, and that 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 that's sort of feeding you a little bit. I think that's probably, and then you're. I mean, what's also interesting, I think, is another thing you have to remind yourself is that. 
you're always writing scenes. I mean, I've said that always, you know, plays are just a collection of scenes, whatever, however you choose to define that. Or I would always define it that a change has something, a discovery, some yeah. kind of discovery has happened in a scene. And then you're writing a scene. And in a sense, if, the, if you let a scene do the work of a scene, then you've got a scene. And then you understand that at the end of a scene, usually if you've written it properly, is there's a new dilemma that's unfolded for somebody or more pressure's been put on a character or, and then, so, you know, that, that can lead, that starts to, that's a clue to what the story is. Yeah. Mm. So when, how do you, if, when you're writing all that, mm. I mean, so I, I'm from the, we, we talked about we're in a writing group and yes. this comes up a lot, doesn't it, between the planners and the, oh, and the chaos it? people, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and the great excuse things, me, intuitive people. Oh yeah, chaos <laughs> people. So you can see which, which side I'm on. <laughs> but it's great because, I mean, what happens is that the planners are always trying to be more spontaneous intu- intuitive, yeah. yes. and intuitive. And the intuitives are saying, oh, why can't I plan? Oh, isn't that hilarious? Yeah, and actually it's yeah. great because what we're finding in our group is that we're we're helping each of them yes. help others to become more to more. Oh, sense. that's wonderful. Um, but um, so I, I'm in the process of trying to learn to be more intuitive and spontaneous. So yeah. one of the things that interests me about that is like, so when you're writing like that, mm. how do you know when it's finished? You know that first draft. It's like yes, you, you know, you're just creating this material and these scenes. Yeah, then there must be some point where you feel mm. like, oh right, I've got that first draft now. But you, you must. I mean, if you're writing, there's a sense. It's like if you, if we, if I told you a story, or we took took a now that you'd kind of know that it can't i mean stephen jeffries is just he's had his posthumously had his book play on playwriting published and and he has a really interesting thing where he talks about stories and he said you know he tells a story it's about a man who's kind of swimming to a beach he gets on the beach he makes a great life on an island and a ship comes and he gets on the ship and he gets ship goes and he goes and then he starts a big company and then and the company has really success then the company goes bust but then luckily he's a tramp but then as a tramp he meets this one goes on and on he sort of think where is this you know and his point is like you know it's got a what you, you the story has to is, is its limits as well and you know what that becomes a kind of nonsensical story about somebody's going from one thing to another yeah. and that's not and when we're told a story like snow white or whatever you know, even those fairy stories of the, the trolls under the bridge, you know when the end, you sort of know, don't yeah. you? Because you've kind of taken your character through this, it, say it's, I mean, I'm talking about traditionally, um, you know, if it's about, a char- if it's a character-based piece, you've taken them through this, the, the biggest spiritual and maybe material crisis of their existence and they've had to check, you know, they've got to a point where, they have to, what are they going to, you know, you're talking about your character, the guy who, you know, is finding himself being corrupted by a system and becoming a monster. So he either has to refuse that and then mm. take the consequences or he has to become it. Mm. And that's the story, mm. you know. And then if he becomes it, what does he, what does that mean? And what's he, lo- what's the loss and the gain sort of thing? I think losses and gains are really sort of interesting. Mm. And if it's a kind of more kind of, I don't know, a piece that's less character based or more fractals. I mean, then it's like what, what you're right. Then it's more about the idea. And then what's the, the journey of that particular idea in the piece? You know, mm. um, just think about other people. Yeah. I mean, I'm aware it's a question that I'm not an intuitive person yeah. would ask. But it's, yeah. So it's like, so when you, you know, you created this sort of first draft yeah. and stuff, do you then find that you have to go back to it and start? Yeah. sort of imposing structure on it and stuff or do you find that the structure has somehow found itself intuitive? Well you might go you might read a draft and go like 
a crisis is missing. You know, what is the, what is the thing, what is the kind of bit that's going to smash your character to pieces and make them have to pick the pieces up again and become something different? It's about an identity. It's about sort of like, they're sort of about ident- crises of identity in some way, aren't they? And maybe that's missing. Or, um, or maybe there's, I mean, I often find that my scenes, you know, I have to go back and look at each scene and make, is each scene working in terms of a scene? You know, that's a way of rewriting something. Sometimes if you're, um, if you, if you make the scene really do the work of a scene, it sort of changes the play and, and it, you realize that you have to sort of ask a question, you know, why is this moment in the play? Why is this event here? Why is it, and is it really, um, impacting enough on the, on the characters who in, you know your central character really or your or your why you know it's like asking those those kind of questions and um you know you can't write i think somebody once said to me you know you can't write everything in the first in 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 the first draft and sometimes when you're redrafting you have to choose what you're doing you might say in this draft i'm just looking at character b or in this draft i'm just trying to work up to the crisis and then the denouement i'm just looking at that arc or you know yeah. I also have a thing where sometimes, you know, I think I'm try I strain to be funny and then that's what but all that's doing is missing out something emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can't avoid the emotion of something either, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but you to strain to be funny. I mean, it, it yeah. doesn't seem strained. Is it more that you have to strain not to, you know, that your instinct is always to go Or I mean, sometimes you're, you know, if you really it's interesting because it's that thing, isn't it? You, you, you're, a moment actually that has to be lived through for the characters really properly lived through and you can't just sometimes you realise you haven't written it properly you've just kind of gone oh A says B and C says A and they go bye and that's it and you think actually what's just happened there yeah. is they've told they've just said they've betrayed them uh, and and that and it's a terrible betrayal and you've got to really write what would actually really mm. sometimes it's like that and you sort of wonder well why didn't I write the real emotional context content of a scene it's probably because it's really hard mm. to write you know and you don't yeah. want to write it so yeah. I think these things I think they're like plays are sort of like in a way they you know they're psychological psychologically alive things for the writer and um and what the writer I mean I mean I did once have a thing about when I'd written a really bad play I just said to myself you have to be really honest in the next play absolutely screw you know just be really truthful and honest and don't try to be clever or you know it's very easy to trick yourself I think to think you're writing something good you've got lots of for me I mean and actually it's not it's not about really being with those characters in the play really with them you know and I think when that's when the best writing happens because I've sometimes characters will say things like you're saying and you think whoa I never knew they were going to say that and it's so good, isn't it? Because mm. they've just really spoken from their point of view and their situation and who they are. And it's that's when you that's when writing's really alive, isn't it? Yeah. What What about um, when your work's being produced? Do you go to the rehearsals and input yeah, stuff? Totally, because the first time a play's on, nobody knows what it is. I mean, even people think say, "Well, we we think this is good. It's worth putting on." You don't even. Nobody, it's like it's a blueprint for something. And then you have to be in the room with the actors and you have to, and things always change. I mean, they might not change. I mean, sometimes people rewrite, you know, the second half or something. <laughs> God, that horror. horror <laughs> or sometimes you just like realise, I mean, I can remember once quite a long time being in a, being in a, 
rehearsal and seeing a scene and suddenly realizing like that thing of like oh my god the really big thing that's supposed to happen in the play and in and isn't happening in the play and isn't happening scene should be in this scene and it's only like two lines but when it's there in front of you you can see the gap or something and then there is also something about watching an actor inhabit a part they really start to bring it alive and you start to go oh that person yes they it really pushes you and often actors are so brilliant they'll suggest they'll say well I don't think I mean literally what's my character thinking here and you might go yeah that's because no so there's a great little bit of work to be done that sometimes just is actually the difference between a play being okay and being working do you know what I mean yeah so and it's a joy anyway to be in rehearsals apparently I sit there and I mouth the words all the time I can't (laughs) stop myself and like I said I, and I always think I haven't. And um, I was saying to all the actors that in My Brilliant Friend, I was like, oh, my God, I think I was saying words. And he said, don't you know that about you? We always say the words. We're always all watching you. Going, oh, they put it so... I was like, oh, no, I'm like a mad woman, like a witch kind of... <laughs> sort of speaking it in the corner. I don't know. Yeah. But it must be because you're kind of like going... There's a reverie part of you, isn't there? Yeah. Thinking about the the characters, what they're doing. And, mm. and um, w- will you change something there and then? Yeah. Yeah, you can do, or you can just say, I'll bring something in tomorrow, or, or sometimes that you just can see what the line should be and, or what should be cut, or, you know, that's really, but it's also interesting that sometimes you cut something and then you put it back because we just haven't found the scene. Yeah. So I'm a little bit, I have to watch that because I love cutting things. I don't know why. That mad, it's like people's like cutting it whole thing as we know scene. <laughs> I mean, it's too easy, and sometimes you just have to re- you live with things a little bit, and then yeah. So that was such an interesting, sort of great process, it is, yeah. isn't it? So you started in as an actor in a theatre yeah. company and, mm. and devising work and things like yeah. that. So, but one of the things that that Ginny and I have been talking about is this sort of um, thing about devised theatre and you know written Script scripts, and, yeah, mm. and. Uh, that in a sense it, it, it's a false picture really that because mm. you know well devised work still mm. needs writing it still needs structuring and things like that but also suddenly if one, someone goes away and writes a play the play isn't finished until it's got into the rehearsal mm. I always like really used to be scared that too many actors go my god it's just improvising in our heads we don't need writers anymore <laughs> bye we could do everything with brilliant actors all just, you know because that's actually literally what it is yeah. it's just like riffing in your head isn't yeah. it yeah. if someone came in they might do this or say that and yeah. all uh, and just like writing it down and not being like um well until i'd been in a rehearsal room i thought a bit like writing a novel you go away you sit quietly you write your play <laughs> and when it's finished you give it to someone and they do it yeah and then the first time you're in a rehearsal room and you're rewriting everything as much <laughs> yeah. as you can yeah. you realize actually no this is like a collaborate yeah. like the play mm. is nowhere near finished yes at that point i mean how much yeah. do, does your work change well i mean it depends i mean like um sometimes like with a play like jumpy like nothing hardly anything changed in the room but other times you know things that, you know, there's there are a lot of change. There are a lot of changes to be made. I mean, I remember when I started out, and pe- I would get notes from the director, and they say, "Well, can you look at page 10 I'm like, "What? <laughs> no!" I was like, "Terrible!" I was like, "I wasn't rude, but I was like, I don't want to chat. I can't be bothered." You know, I actually couldn't be bothered. <laughs> I didn't. I felt like it's okay. I don't know. I had a real resistance to rewriting. Now, if someone gives me a note, I love it because I'm like. God, I can avoid that shifty, shifty bit in the audience if I just have to, or I want somebody's note, you know. And it, so that's a kind of 
change, of realising that there's a absolutely a process that goes on in, in rehearsal because it's like you're trying something out for the first time, isn't it? Mm. And, you know, you, you'll find out about whether it's got a climax, whether it's got discovery, whether somebody isn't pushing another character hard enough in a scene. That's often the case, isn't it? Mm. Like you're just trying to tell a story and you're not like, what would they really do? I mean, mm, often yeah, that's, that's a good, out, quite an improvisation. It? It's a great improvisation that sometimes, you know, I remember, you know, that you'd say, well, we'll put down the script. You know what you want. You know what you want. This is the comment. Just go for it as actors. And they'll, they might improvise something. And then you'll go, oh, yeah, that's how you think. Yeah, of course. They'd, you know, they wouldn't let them walk out or they, that sort of thing. Mm. Mm. What about um, with adaptations? That's, yeah. that's interesting. So if you're kind mm. of an intuitive writer, yeah. when you're given a commission to yeah. adapt something, how yeah. does that? Well, you, that, I mean, the, the excitement about that is like, it's a novel. How can it be a play? Now, what is good about it? What I mean, what, I mean, what can you use to make it a piece of theatre? And why are you doing it? I mean, you've got to really think there's a purpose to, do, to doing something. So with my brilliant friend, for example, it's got two women protagonists and mm. and it's an epic piece and stuff like that. And like there aren't many epic pieces of theatre, two women protagonists that are so also there aren't they aren't they're very complicated, complex characters. They're not they're not sort of I did an interview recently and the guy said to me, yeah, but the, they must be lovers. And I was like, well, no, they're, they're not actually. They're they're, they're passionate friends. And um it's not that women can't be lovers. It's just that these two, you know, why have you got to, you couldn't understand the kind of, tote, the kind of, that they are each other's significant other through life. You know, and that's the story. And that's never told either. So that was, that was, so then you're just finding, again, you're looking for scenes, you're looking for, you know, what you can strip away so that that story about the two of them just really pings out and, and also you're looking for fun, how you can have texture in something. There's one scene of my brilliant friend where the lights completely go out and you just hear two people in the dark and it's kind of, it's a, you know, um, a wedding night sort of thing. Mm. And the first time they have sex or something, one of them's really bad at it. Sort of thing. It's just in the dark. It only lasts about a minute. But it's really fun that the lights go down or something. And that's like an invent, you know, an invention to sort of push the story to make it, uh, you know, so you can get inside the head of <laughs> Lanou, who's the, the woman in the scene and I don't know so you're having fun like that that's a good don't so always want to do those did you did you write that aspect of the lights going out or did yeah. that come out through the no through that come I wrote that because I was thinking what what you, you know what's the best way to tell the story yeah. you know you can have two people sitting there going oh, I didn't think it was very good when you did that or you can do I mean the thing about theatre is just don't if you if you can do it without explaining it then do it you know yeah. it's much better if it's in, everything's in stronger if it's in the moment rather than saying well, you know I just this is what I've discovered if you see the discovery I don't know I mean it just is more interesting isn't it are you are you inclined to um speak with your director or if you have a good idea or do you leave a director oh, what you mean if um, in a rehearsal oh yeah I would say to them yeah why not I mean you don't say it in front of the actors though you've got to you have to take the directors I mean that's that's the good thing about a rehearsal room just never lose your cool never never you should never always just be sort of professional and nice and if you have a you speak to the director you know the director will make time to speak to you and then you could say oh I did think this and but of course you've got to realize that that's their job so that, that if they take your suggestion fine but they don't have to but what you have got control over they shouldn't do anything to the script without your permission I mean they can make suggestions like should we do whatever but and then it's your your in your jurisdiction whether to to take their suggestion or not but 
bearing in mind though that I've worked with some brilliant directors with brilliant dramaturgs so you'd be a bit sort of it's really good to listen to them yeah so when you get um, that first sort of invitation mm. God, we'd like you to come and do this thing mm. um, what sort of you know how much, what, what's the brief like does it tend to be can it be very sort of detailed we want to play it's about this and like this or is it generally like oh we want you to explore this idea what I mean, honestly, usually, usually it's more like we're really interested in you. It's usually what you call an open commission right. where they say, you know, we want you to write a play. Here's an yeah. invitation to write a play. And then I think a good idea is to, you know, obviously you'll have a meeting with them, is to think about, so if it, you know, what is the spe- the theatre space? I mean, it's no good writing a play with like 25 characters if if you've got, if you're in a sort of the upstairs space at the Royal Court or something. Mm. Although having said that, you could say to them, I want to write a character. If you've got a really strong idea of 25 characters, then this, but make sure you discuss it with the so, so you know your parameters. I mean, that can really help because you, you know, I mean, some theatres do sort of say, you know, well, you know, we this this commission, this is, you know, it's kind of a six-character play. Or I mean, often the, it's economic or, or logistical about the actual theatre. And I think that's quite useful, actually, if it, I mean, I was working, I'm working at a theatre at the moment and I had a discussion with the theatre director, the artist director, and she made a suggestion about cast size for a particular reason. And um, so that's really useful because then you start, it's like, you know, the freedom within limitation. It's quite useful sometimes to think about things like that. But then also, if you have got some ideas, you can always say to the theatre, look, I've got some, a couple of ideas. Can I, can I talk them through with you? Do you know what mm. I mean? I've, I've, you know, I've been thinking about writing about, you know, you know, cues at a bus stop or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. And looking at that picture, mm-hmm. and um, and then you can talk. You know, and then often you know people are you know can go well. Like, what, what's really great about that idea? They can kind of like tease out your idea with you. So any and that's useful, isn't it? Or they can say, well, mm, I'm not sure about that idea because someone else is writing a play about that. But that idea, you know, just so you get as much as you can out of them while you mm. while you're in there with <laughs> with them, sort of thing. And I'll be really happy to. Sort of chew your idea over with you, and then I'm sure that that you know mo- most theatres go well. Look, if you want, if you if you want to ask any questions, if you want to you know, have any di- another discussion, another meeting, you know, be in touch. And you should probably use all those sort of yeah. opportunities, you know, and um, to kind of just guide you to thinking. And then I think you know it's like about being, I suppose, just letting yourself be free with it and not. And not being anxious and just like, you know, having a having a good time thinking thinking about your idea and not being frightened and I know it's easy to say, but mm. I sometimes, you know, sometimes when I I have an I when I wake up in the morning when I'm just not too sen I haven't censored myself enough, I'll just be vaguely thinking about <laughs> what I've got to do that day and I'll get an idea because I'm not like rigid with fear about it do you know what I mean yeah. it's quite interesting that thing yeah do like, you write it down yeah yeah you should always I think write it down I'm always got writing sending myself messages on my phone so I can't <laughs> work out the notebook yeah. it's like me 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 like, <laughs> like things like that yeah and some people like find it really for example you know that's why people write in cafes or they write on bu- buses I've often or trains I've often I remember writing a scene on just getting a little idea and writing a scene on a train that ended up being in a play and was like I just wrote that because I wasn't really like you were to be dis- distra- part of you was a bit distracted. You weren't like sitting there like a sort of rigid in front of like <laughs> you know a big blank piece of paper yeah. in front of you, you know. 
or go for a walk or I think now I wish I'd given my I can remember when I was starting out like just being desperate sit, like sitting in front of type with blank pages like and I used to smoke then like smoking cigarettes I felt sick and like I should have just gone for a walk or yeah. I should have just gone to a gallery or I should have just gone no it's not going to work today just chill out go and have a conversation go and listen to an overheard go and don't keep you know that you're not you know got to think about how you're going to make things how you can stimulate yourself you know yeah yeah are you, have you got better at that? Oh, yeah. No, I, yeah, abs- I think so. I don't know, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually something about advice, isn't it? It's like, it's easy to dispense. You know, it's like, it's like yeah, I think I've got a bit better, actually. We were talking about dramaturgy. Is that a service that's part of the commission? or? Yeah, it's part of the commission. So, I mean, like, there are some amazing dramaturgs around as well. And also directors are really wonderful I had a really good time when I was doing the village at Stratford East because Nadia Fall is a genius and also Nina um, Steiger who's at the National she came just to be our dramaturg on the village and those women were like it's just so lovely to work with them they're so imaginative and clever and you know know how to frame their um, feedback so that you feel in an incredibly sort of safe hands you know mm. and it's just a thrill that, that you know but I mean, it's the dramaturgy is usually the building or the commission will, A, directors are, you, you know, on the whole are really good dramaturgs because that's yeah. part of their job. Yeah. And if you add the added thrill of having someone like Nina, you know, uh, that's a brilliant as well. So in a, ter- in a commission, so the director or the artist director of the commission, you in a sense, they're kind of, they're leading it, but they'll talk to the drama, the dra- they'll just, once you've done a script, in a sense, the dramaturg, you know, with the director, it will have a talk with the director and then make sure probably that the, they're on the same part, you know, talking off the same page. And then they will give you really, they'll know what they're looking for. So mm-hmm. they'll give you specific kind of um, notes about, you know. And all notes are is like, I mean, I remember getting a great note from Nigel saying, this character is really undeveloped. I mean, it's just a really... It's and you think, oh yeah, I was, I was, I hadn't got around to that character yet. Yeah, I'll, in the next draft, I'll really think about that character because I've been too busy doing this character. You know, you can't. <laughs> you know what I mean, and uh, so that's always a really good note. And so, is this? Do you speak with the dramaturg before you finish the final draft, or is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they might be in. They might read every draft with okay. the, along with the artistic director and the or the director. You know, um, and then now. Um, I mean, the dramaturg is just like a luxury other person who's really smart. Yeah. I mean, re- they. I mean, the dramaturgs I've worked with, they're so clever. I mean, they're sort of wondrous, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like you sort of sit there sort of like going, oh, my God, this is like amazing. <laughs> uh, and so that's a really great thing, you know. I mean, that's, that's why it's useful to be able to not be defensive. Because I never, I'm, ne- I'm very, re- I don't bother with it anymore because I used to be really defensive and it's like waste of time. Mm. So you might as well just take it, think it all through as hard as you can. And if you, I mean, a dramaturg will say, you know, this only use what's useful to you as well. They won't be just being prescriptive, but they'll be saying their, what they, you know, their response to something. Yeah. April, t- talking to you, it's really interesting because it seems to me that you, you're still developing, you're still thinking yeah. that, and developing and creating yeah. and do you, yeah. do you feel like that yeah, to- absolutely totally I mean absolutely feel I still really I'm really interested in pl- you know play in there they are and theatre and I I always feel like you're learning all the time and I sort of 
um, and about the process. I mean, it's a not, it's not, it's not something you're going to come and go. I can do that. That end. You yeah. Know what I mean, it's never ever going to be like that. I mean, it might be that it's had an end of you. It's not going to end. You know what I mean? Or that you can't. I mean, I, I don't know because people do stop writing. You know, uh-huh. and I don't. I can't, I think, well, what am I going to do? <laughs> I, I'm going to obsess about. I get really frightened even at the thought of that. I just got a bit panicky. I know, I know. But also, you know, some people write on, like Ibsen was writing, wasn't he, like in the second half of his life, right up to the end, you know what I mean, as opposed to the first. So, I mean, it doesn't really, um, I think as long as, I honestly, I think as long as you sort of, enjoy it but then it's a mystery as well you see there's something mysterious about it isn't there like you know someone's talking about the, there's um the muses you know people used to talk about muses and the greek that the idea that that you were just a, a conduit for the god of, of theater or the god and they would write through it's not really you and i mean there's something about that isn't it you know which is quite there's something quite liberating you should just let go and let whatever comes out come yeah, out which yeah. i think it's really quite nice and um but also, where does the, where do the, as you said, you know, why does these, these, where do these sort of characters come from? Or, you know, or will I, will you get to the point where you've gone through all your stuff? You know what I mean? Yeah. You've ploughed through that old field too many times. <laughs> you're only turning up schlock. <laughs> <laughs> do you have notebooks that you refer to that you, you know, that you, yeah. or notes that you use and then you might go back to a lot later on and go, oh, actually, I, I know what to do with that idea now. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I wish I did. I'm always saying to myself, this is going to be my notebook. And I'm always finding notebooks like, oh, yeah, I was going to use that notebook. I do have um, my computer, like, I'll I'll do some reading about something, like I'll read about comedy or I'll read a good, and then I'll write notes. And so I have got these notes like, scattered out in various sort of, but they're usually about um, reading that I've been doing. I mean, that's a, I do, I think about it, I do read a lot of things, you know. Do you? Yeah, I do actually. I spend quite a lot of my time sort of like reading, like I'm reading books about farce at the moment for something I'm doing, just reading a lot about it. It's actually like amazingly interesting. And then I'll make loads of notes and think, this is really interesting. And then I probably, <laughs> I'd come across it two years ago. So I would look back on those notes and sometimes I do that and sort of, uh, I mean, it's this quite, I do feel like one, I don't know if it's just me, but you have to absorb a lot too. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm yes. sure you do because yeah. you're both writing. But I mean, some and sometimes I do like reading about writing. Like I read all the I read all the books about write playwriting. Would you write one? No, <laughs> I don't know actually. No, I don't think I would actually. I think I'd be, but um. Why? Why wouldn't you? Because you've done a lot yeah, of teaching. Yeah. I don't know. Isn't that weird? I don't know. Uh, yeah, are there sure. any books by women out there from playwriting? <gasps> That's a good question. Oh my God, there isn't. There really isn't. No, no. you have to write one. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you heard it here first. Yeah, Sorry. Sorry. Absolutely. All the names that we all quote. It's your yeah, sole responsibility. <laughs> Just in case you weren't busy. Oh my God, I know. Um, yeah, so possibly. I mean, I mean, it's maybe if I can't write plays anymore, maybe that's what I should do. You make me. Any <laughs> suggest that? No, no, no. That no, doesn't no, happen no. to anyone, right? <laughs> no. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Yeah, no, lovely. Thank you so much. Listen, it's a pleasure. So, yeah. It's an absolute pleasure. So yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, Dan, yeah, You've been thank amazing. you. She's so interesting and so lovely. I and know, yeah. Like the whole stuff when she's talking about using a dramaturg. So she mentions Nina Steiger, and Nina Steiger is just remarkable. She really is. April obviously works with the best. And I mean, she's like the, one of the best, isn't she? Obviously. Yeah, yeah.
yeah, it was a great chat, um, although we both sound a bit ill <laughs> because it was <laughs> in the winter, wasn't it? <laughs> um, she kept mentioning the word invitation, didn't she? She kept saying it's back to the invitation. That makes me realise too the importance of being open and networking with other people, which can be quite difficult depending on your personality. Mm, networking. So we talk a lot about that, but we're in the middle of this pandemic as well. I mean, do you think, are there still opportunities for networking and building relationships? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, the, just this morning, I approached Papale, who I recently won a seed commission with, and they produced a, a short monologue of mine and another opportunity has come up, but it's for a team of creatives. And I approached them and asked them if they'd be interested in joining me in an application for that. Uh, they had to say no because they're busy, but they said they appreciated the request and you know, I, I feel really comfortable staying in touch with them. They're really great theatre makers. And I think that's what you can do too. That whole thing of not just being the solo playwright. Look around. If there's something that you see as an opportunity but you couldn't do by yourself, look around and see who could help you with that. Mm. Become part of a creative team. What struck me about that invitation thing, I was thinking about it afterwards, this idea of invitation. And I was thinking it's a bit like parties. I was thinking there are three things to do with an invitation. So first of all, you have to be, you have to put yourself in situations where people can invite you. Yeah, like if you never go out and meet anyone, no one's ever going to invite you to a party because they don't see you to be able to invite you. So that's the same with theatre. Like you've got to put yourself in the right places to actually see the invitation, which might mean going out to workshops and things like that. Or it might be being online and being on the right places online. And the second thing that I think is really hard is that you have to recognise an invitation when <laughs> it comes. Like sometimes people can ask you if you want to come to a party and you don't even realise you're being invited. You just think they're being nice or having a chat. So you don't take the opportunity. And it's a bit like that with recognising an invitation in terms of, well, it might be something obvious like a competition entry or something like that. But it might just be an you know, an opportunity from talking to someone and realising like, oh, we, I get on with this person and, you know, we could work together and you hadn't even noticed that the invitation's actually there. And then the third thing is actually going, yeah. you know, actually turning up <laughs> at the party. I know? think, yeah, that's it. I think that's relevant at the moment because we're all working out how introverted and extroverted mm. we are in terms of how we're dealing with, <laughs> with lockdown. Yeah. Perhaps some of us are, are discovering our inner introverts and others are like, oh, actually, yeah. I'm a bit sick of myself now. <laughs> For years, I've been pretending to be an extrovert so that I can try and fit in in the theatre world. Uh, but at the moment, I'm enjoying just like not having to leave the house. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I, I've got the opposite situation. I thought I was purely an extrovert, yeah. but I'm definitely not. I'm really enjoying the um, the peace and quiet of sitting and not rushing around everywhere. Uh, what I really loved about April too was when I asked her, does she feel she's still developing? And she was very definite that, yes, mm. she does. And I think that one of the joys of being a playwright is that we are continually learning because it's essentially about human life, isn't it? Yeah. What we're dealing with, not just the past or present, but um, looking around at different experiences and, and assimilating them and allowing ourselves to be open to these other people's experiences and yeah it's, it's an ongoing process i think the most successful artists are the ones who are constantly focusing on just trying to get better at what yeah. they do i mean clearly she loves writing plays and she yeah. loves talking about it 
And also the thing about, I suppose, embracing feedback that she talked about, that at the start of her career she was defensive. But actually, as she's become more successful, she's become less defensive. And like so she's more willing to accept criticism of her work now when she's famous mm. than she was when she first started out. So that's quite interesting, isn't it? That if anything, you you might think it would be the other way around. I loved what she said about watching an audience when you work, son. You, you learn by watching the audience. Oh, yeah. I thought that was great because often if you work, son, you're so yeah. delighted, you're just totally transfixed and in a state of pure sort of terror and joy at the same time. But April's saying watch the audience and their reaction and you can tell whether the writing's good or not from their reaction. I thought that was a really good piece of advice too. Another thing that that makes me think of is that story I heard about uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge that she used to have scratch nights where she would give the audiences balloons. That's right. Yeah, that? That, yeah, I, yeah, think I told that, you that. <laughs> because, yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> it's in the start of Fleabag and I loved it so much that they would set themselves challenges and one of them would be they'd have a balloon I think this is correct. And as soon as they fell in love with the character on stage, they had to release the balloon. Yeah, I thought it's that was just brilliant. amazing. It's brilliant because it's brilliant. instant feedback Absolutely. into like, oh yeah, right, it's working, it's not working. Yeah. So that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, and if you use Apple Podcasts, please go on and give us a five-star review on there because... Uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts help push you up the ratings. It makes the podcast easier for people to find. Also, please do tell your friends about the podcast, tweet it, share it on Facebook, help us spread the word. Um, we'll be back next week with another fantastic guest. Till then, keep safe. See you soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.